This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by ECI on the 2023 Global Business Ethics Survey. In this podcast series, I am joined by ECI President Pat Harned, and we take a deep dive into the survey. We look at some disturbing findings, including pressure to compromise standards, perceived retaliation, observed and recorded, reported misconduct. We also look at culture strength, risk reduction, and have some recommendations for you based upon this report. This podcast series will not simply review the 2023 GBES, but give you actionable information that you can benchmark your compliance program by or take back to your executive leadership team to help improve your overall compliance program. I know you'll enjoy this special five-part series, which is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome back to part four in our special five-part series with Pat Harned, president of ECI on ECI's 2023 Global Business Ethics Survey. Pat, first of all, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. Pat, today we're going to take up key findings five and six. Key finding five says few employees say they work in a strong ethical culture. And key finding six says businesses are not taking the steps that are proven to significantly reduce their risk. Where do we start with key finding five? One of what we ended up saying was an alarming number of employees around the world say that they do not work in a strong ethical culture. 87% of people said that. And fundamentally, the percentage of people, 13% of people said that they do work in a strong ethical culture. And we all know in our profession that One of the most important things that you can do is to try to build a culture where people believe that the ethics standards actually matter, where they can come forward to report wrongdoing. We also know that culture is the biggest driver of conduct. So the fact that very few people say they work in a strong ethical culture where those things are present is alarming. But we have information that I think as many as 65% of respondents said that they were satisfied that the information they were receiving from top management was about what was going on in their organization. Would that be consistent with the overall findings of the report? It is. The culture metrics that we provide are actually, it's an index. It's a roll-up of a number of different metrics that we ask Um, There really is no one question you can ask employees to get a very good gauge of what a culture, the strength of of ethics in the culture. So while some of those findings were positive, um, the overall roll-up that is really an indication of how many people are saying that the majority of the kinds of, of behaviors that should be present are actually present. And once again, the information presented in Key Finding 5, if we were able to to take a sort of a deep dive into the questions or ECI could look at those, would it give the compliance professional information they could use to 
address weaknesses or even the term that the ECI report uses, weak leaning? Yes. So we can, if you take a look at the, the summary report doesn't go specifically, it names what the key metrics are. It doesn't show all the percentages for each of them, particularly across 42 countries, but the website portal that we have will provide those. There are certain things that we know that actually drive the index for how we measure culture strength. Does top man do top managers and supervisors engage in certain behaviors? Do they talk about the importance of the corporate values and organizational standards? Do they model the kind of conduct that they expect of employees? Do they keep people informed about key developments that are going to affect the well-being of the organization? Do they hold people accountable when they violate the standards? And also, is it an environment where people can come forward to raise concerns? So those metrics, that that roll-up consists of all of those metrics. And the countries which had the highest and lowest uh, percent working in strong ethical cultures, I was very intrigued to see the two that were listed as the highest, the two countries rather, were Egypt and Colombia, and then with Japan and South Korea at the bottom. Uh, frankly, if, if I had guessed, I would have thought it would have been the opposite because of the cultural mores of both Japan and Korea. And to see those other two countries at the top, was that a surprise or consistent with our findings? It was a surprise, but one of the things that I think is unique about the way we look at ethical culture, certainly there's a difference between having a strong culture where there are strong norms, there's a long history, there's shared understanding. That's a that's an indication of what makes your organization unique and how does how do people understand what the organization stands for. Ethical culture though is also about How much do I believe that what leaders are saying, that the formal structures we have in place are actually being lived out, that our values really matter? But there's also an element of trust in leaders and the extent to which people feel they are welcomed to voice a different opinion or raise a concern. And those all tie into beliefs that what we say we do, what we say we stand for really actually play out. So those may be some of the reasons why some countries are higher or lower when it comes to how people perceive the ethical culture. It'll be interesting to hear from practitioners when we roll out this data, and we're very interested in hearing from folks around the world to get their perceptions of why they think these findings came out as they did. Pat, let's turn to key finding six. Businesses are not taking the steps that are proven to significantly reduce their risk. ECI has really helped companies, I think, quite a bit with their release of the high quality program. How does that really either show or lean towards The whole HQP definition we use and the work we've done to try to help organizations understand what a high-quality program effort is stems actually from both work that has been done by our community, the ethics and compliance profession, 
but we also proved it through GBES in the past. I think it was the 2016 report where we had done all this work as a profession to say, sure, there's the standards put forth by enforcement agencies about what constitutes an an effective program. But as practitioners, what do we think really moves the needle? So we developed a working definition of high quality program, an organization that goes above and beyond the minimum standard and actually transforms its or its culture, transforms the way it operates. And then we leverage GBES to actually see, so we've got this working definition, does it really work? And what we learned was that in organizations that have a high quality program in place, they are 546% more likely to have a strong ethical culture. They are 467% more likely to actually positively impact conduct in their organization and reduce their risk of noncompliance. We've known that since 2016. We continue to ask employees around the world, what is your company doing when it comes to ethics and compliance? And what we found this time was that Only 30% of employees around the world, this is a global median, but 30% said that their company has even put into place some of the foundational elements of an ENC program that we would expect them to be aware of. So that's a strong indication that not enough organizations are focusing on ethics and compliance programs, but even more so focusing on the types of program activities that we know really move the needle. Then could you uh, remind our audience uh, some of the key components of the HQP that companies can either start with or move towards as they move through the levels of program quality? Sure. So some of them include, and certainly For organizations that are just getting started, it actually is focusing on those fundamental elements that we've known about for a long time. Things like having a set of standards that are articulated to employees, a code of conduct, set of core values, making sure that managers and employees are trained so they know what those standards are, having helpline reports, systems for receiving reports. But that's the starting place. And a high quality program actually has elements where leaders across a business own and understand their role in driving a strong culture. And they own their responsibility for identifying risk areas and managing those risks. There are efforts in place to make sure that employees feel invited and valued for reporting wrongdoing. And then certain program elements like investigative excellence, consistency, objectivity, and how you're doing investigations, but consistent discipline when there are violations. So we've done a lot of writing. There's There are a few reports out there that we've made available to the public. One of them is a blue ribbon panel report on high quality ethics and compliance programs. And they go into great detail about what some of those program practices are. Then, in terms of the higher the program quality as defined by the HQP, the stronger the culture, I have to say that that seems like a fairly consistent logical finding. Is that fair? It is fair. And I'll just throw out a caveat too, because I, 
It's important to say that we have defined what a high quality program is, but the most important part of it is that it's principles based. It's not like ECI has the secret sauce that if you do the following five things, it's going to absolutely change the needle. But there are elements that are common to organizations that really commit to having a higher level ENC effort. And the biggest difference is that leaders across, it's not just a function. It's not just a group of people on the org chart that have a budget and certain responsibilities. It's also a shared understanding across the organization that ethics and compliance is essential to the way the business operates, that leaders have a responsibility to own that, to model it, and to hold people accountable to it. And I think that's the part that ends up being the hardest for organizations it's one thing to have a program and the essential elements and to have people you can point to on the org chart who have ethics and compliance responsibility. It's another to say this is woven into the DNA of the organization and the way we operate. Pat, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask if our listeners wanted more information on ECI or the 2023 Global Business Ethics Survey, what would be the best place for them to go? Please visit our website at www.ethics.org and you'll find everything you need there. And I look forward to visiting with you in our final episode and our next episode where we'll take a look at uh, hopefully some recommendations that we can draw from the 2023 GBS. I look forward to continuing this conversation. I do too. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you will join Pat and I tomorrow where we take a look at the need for an ethical culture and a high quality compliance program to help help ameliorate some of the issues raised in these prior episodes. This special five-part podcast series on the 2023 ECI Global Business and Ethics Survey has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.